What is up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Geekly Bi-Weekly. I am one of your hosts, Gabriel Fast, and joining me, as usual, on The Wannabe Critics is my fearless co-host, Caleb Henley. <laughs> also my brother-in-law and my friend, as we've said before. I think, I, I think, I've, I think I've used that bit before, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> hey, you know what? It doesn't have to just get completely thrown in the garbage. I think it's a good bit. Yeah, it's a pretty good bit. So, Caleb, what's up, man? Oh, not too much. Just uh, nothing too crazy. Been playing some Madden recently, and that's literally it. It's just kind of been football, and that's kind of my whole life right now. So, yeah, that's basically it. Well, I mean, that's a good life to be living. I'd have to say, uh, you're you're the you're like the perfect guy for it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to feel about that, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I should. I should change that. It's been football and Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally. I totally get. Yeah. That. Um. So your blog has been kind of popping off, actually, on Geekly Biweekly. That's crazy. <laughs> it's kind of insane, actually. It's kind of crazy whenever you put NFL in the same. Um, category as uh you know the geek culture seems like I, I i don't know i didn't know that it would cross over as well as it has but yeah people people apparently like it they've been listening to it which is kind of cool yeah it was funny a while back um uh, me and you we have a friend who's out in california uh rex tucker he like retweeted that something that some guy said i think it was when uh the last or um the rise of skywalker trailer was coming out on monday night football and this guy like tweeted something about how like nobody that pays attention to football knows anything about Star Wars. <laughs> and I was like, man, that just hurts me. I feel like that's a personal attack against me. It's like those are two of the things I love is football and Star Wars. And the idea that I can't love both of them and I have to choose is that's just hurtful. Yeah, that's just like the old school way of thinking that people um, <laughs> don't really uh, get. So um, that's a. Uh... I, I, I totally vibe with that because it's like you automatically get put into this other category if you like that kind of stuff. But we can like it all. The peas and the carrots can touch. They can touch everyone. <laughs> yep. You don't have to be OCD about your entertainment necessarily. Exactly. You don't have to compartmentalize everything. But yep. that's besides the point. We're here to talk about Star Wars. And boy, do we have a lot to unpack. So, Caleb... Obviously, this is our last Jedi review, and we will get to that. This is going to be a longer episode, folks, um, but maybe not if you decide to skip ahead because we are going to be talking about The Mandalorian a little bit. Now, Caleb, have you watched both episodes? Both ep episodes of The Mandalorian? There's a new episode out this morning. I wasn't sure. Oh, what? Yes. <laughs> Gosh dang it. <laughs> oh, man. I wish we could have. I wish you would have. I wish we could have. Oh, but that hurts me. I know. I woke dang up this it. morning and watched it first thing. <laughs> What's crazy is I've been on Twitter and stuff like today. How have I not like heard of anything about that? What the heck? I, I, li I literally went back this morning and rewatched the first episode for the podcast. How did I not see that? Dude, Gosh, that is funny. I maybe what time did you watch it? Uh, it was around, I watched The Last Jedi too, so it was probably around, oh, I mean, like 10-ish? Mm. My time, which would be 9-ish your time? That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> That's right when I watched it. Maybe it didn't drop in your time zone yet or something. Maybe, or maybe I'm just oblivious. Gosh dang it. That sucks. <laughs> well, now you know what <laughs> that to does do. suck. Now you know what to do after we watch the pod. Well, that, yep. that actually works kind of good because, um... Because I've actually watched the Mandalorian episode one two times as well, and uh, I really, really, I really, really like this show, Caleb. But um, me too, me I, too. Man, I, I'm just kind of blown away. And in episode two is even. I mean, it's just more of the same. I don't want to get too much into it. So, ladies and gentlemen, if don't you, ruin it for me. <laughs> I won't. I won't. If you haven't watched the Mandalorian episode one or episode two, don't want to know anything about it. Don't want to you know any spoilers. I suggest you uh, skip ahead about seven to ten minutes, and that'll probably be when we start getting into our Last Jedi discussion. So, as an overall, Caleb, yes, for the first episode of The Mandalorian, what is your take? What is your? What, I mean, what? What can you summarize all the feelings that you are having? I I love it 
because it's a show that I think perfectly captures like kind of the feel and spirit of the original Star Wars movies. And the, like the reason I say that is maybe is just watching The Last Jedi versus watching and watching The Mandalorian black back to back, but they feel like so different. And I think it does a really good job of almost feeling like it was made back in the 80s, like right after um, uh, Return of the Jedi. It just it feels like so placed in that area era, and it just feels like kind of gritty and dirty, and it like does the look of Star Wars so perfect, and it's it's really cool, and I love just kind of the, I love the main character, and I think there's a lot of mystery with him that we're probably going to get into, and I love just how just kind of serious he is, but at the same time, like the whole end scene where he they're like him and the IG unit are storming the like uh compound like it's funny it's ah oh, it's so good i just loved it yeah i completely agree it it feels it feels like you know and and i have my qualms with you know there's people i mean you're in the you're in the group of people that think you know the OG Star Wars movie is, you know, is like a near perfect movie and it's obvious it's, it's classic. It's fine. I like the movie. I mean, I just don't think it's practical for now to be, it, it doesn't resonate with me the same way, but this show makes me feel like that whenever I was, whenever I was a kid and watching them for the first time, that's the way it kind of makes me feel. It's just very raw and you don't know a lot of what's going on. And it's just, it's a very, very nostalgic while still being fresh feeling. It's a modern take on a classic in my opinion. Exactly. And I, yeah, I, and yeah. I, I loved it too. Like they had a few like uh, kind of callbacks and like, you know, things from things that make the, you know, st- nostalgic fans go, Oh, I recognize that. I recognize that. But it wasn't so over the top. I think that's one of the things like people don't like uh, Rogue One for is like literally the whole movie's kind of like that. <laughs> but uh, which I mean, it's fine, whatever. It's a debate for a different day. But anyways, I I like the way they are able to just masterfully do that, and it just feels like it fit so well into the universe without having any characters or even any planets or anything from you know any previous. Uh, Star Wars uh, movie. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, honestly, like, it takes the best parts of what I liked about Rogue One and makes it better. Like, the things that I really love about Rogue One, the fresh takes, you know, on the modern, on the modern style and whatnot, like, they do that in this show. It's very Rogue One-esque, in my opinion, but it it's better. It's better for me. I, I mean, and I have I've only seen Rogue One once, so you know maybe that'll change. Maybe it'll maybe it'll fit right in with the way I'm feeling about this. But I mean, this is some of this combined with the new Star Wars game that just came out is turning into some of my most interested bits of lore that I'm that I'm learning about. And I don't know. I just it just it just feels right to me. I'm very very excited and. Can we talk? We're going to spoil this, ladies and gentlemen. This is your last chance. But, dude, the end of episode one, mm-hmm. is that a baby Yoda? Yeah. So I know that there's multiple, um, there's multiple like beings of that species. Like it's a whole species. I, um, but because I know that back in episode one, there's an other member of the Jedi Council who's also one of like Yoda's species. Her, her, it's a, her name's Yodel, I think. <laughs> but it's literally just like Yoda with a wig. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's kind of interesting. Who knows? Maybe that species is especially force sensitive or it's interesting that how they age so you know, it takes forever for them to age and yeah, it's I loved that. That was a cool little twist on it. Especially since at this point too, Yoda's dead and gone. Totally. And I yeah. think I think it's going to play a really big part of the show. And here's something interesting. The people that have hired the Mandalorian to do this job and find this being the guy with the glasses. Um, he had a patch on his arm. And this is uh, a friend of the show sent me this stuff in so that this is, you know, this is something to keep in mind. But he sent me a couple pictures that patch that he's wearing on his arm. That's what uh, Camino in. 
That's what Kamino and Pete, uh, clones wear. And if you go back to episode two, all of the clone kids are wearing that patch. So mm. I'm wondering if they somehow are able to clone Yoda is what I'm is what I'm thinking is potentially happening. And that leads me to believe that if they cloned Yoda, maybe they figured out a way to clone Ray. And like we just have all these big cloning. Oh, possi- I love that idea. Dude, yes. I'm just I'm 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 loving all of these clone possibilities. And I am just so impressed with the Mandalorian. I think it is absolutely an amazing show and you're going to love it even more. It takes that nostalgia factor and it's even better. I mean, it's, it's just getting better. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what they do with it. But so overall general, general impression, first impression is good for the Mandalorian on your part. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see uh, where they go. Um, There's still a lot I want to know about the Mandalorian specifically um, and about the main character too. Um, it's interesting. One of the things that I thought was really interesting is it, multiple times he's called a Mandalorian and he never says anything about that. And, um, you know, obviously, too, they can't take off their helmets. But I'm so curious to see, like, what his background is and everything. And who knows, some real crazy twist or something could be like, what if he's not a Mandalorian at all? Or because, yeah, because. I don't know, just the way going back and rewatching it a second time and everyone's like, oh, I've never seen a Mandalorian before. And he's just like stone faced, nothing. It's so, oh, it's, I can't wait to see. I know, me too. I'm, I'm, I think it's, I think he really, I, I think he's obsessed with Mandalorians or maybe he's obsessed with that idea or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that, maybe him acquiring that first piece of armor was him being like, you know, hey, this is the first step at me trying to kind of, what if he's not a Mandalorian, but he really wants to be kind of in a similar sense that like Luke was becoming a Jedi, but he really didn't know what he was doing type thing. I wonder if they're kind of going for that vibe in a different way, but I don't know. Only time will tell. I'm really excited. This is a very promising show. The effects are great. The dialogue's great. The aliens are great. It feels very Star Wars. I'm super excited. Yeah, and I saw the uh, thing you retweeted um, about some guy that said that, or that was reviewing it as boring, and just I don't know. I feel like for anyone that thinks that you know this is boring, <laughs> like I don't know, it's kind of crazy. I think that they could probably uh, feel better about going watching a Transformers movie or some other Michael Bay production or whatever. But yeah, I thought that this is really well paced. I thought the action sequences were awesome, and. Uh, I don't know. The, a slower pace allows you to build the character and build the story, and that's what really drives good television. So I'm really looking forward to this. Me too. I'm very. I'm. I'm just happy we have a live action Star Wars show that's canon. Like this is real. Yeah. Like this is part of the story. And the more Absolutely. they add, and this is kind of going back to you know, I just picked up the new Star Wars game as well, and holy crap, Caleb! Like that is. I haven't played it yet, so don't spoil it. I mean, I probably. I might not get it until uh, after Black Friday because I'm cheap, but... <laughs> well, I'm telling you right now, this game, I've only been pl- I've only played two or so hours of it. I got it for free through ways I don't want to mention, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't steal it, but, but I just, I got it for free. I would, I would buy this game at full price right now, even just playing what I've played. It's everything I love about video games, and it... it Already, I mean, it might even be my game of the year already, just with what they've implemented. It's very, very good. So, But Gabe, it's an EA game. Those can't be good. Oh, Caleb. (laughs) Well, you know what? You know what? Here's the thing. Say what you want about EA. They've given us a solid campaign with this new one so far, and they gave us a solid campaign with the last Battlefront game. I agree. I totally agree. I don't. I don't jump on EA for that much stuff. It's whatever. It's a company and companies are usually.
I do like this movie. I wouldn't go as far as to say that I love this movie. I think it definitely has flaws, if not a lot of flaws. But I do like it. It's a quality movie. It looks beautiful. Um, there's some really good performances in this movie. Um, and I think it does a lot for speaking about um, the Force, the Jedi, uh, specifically too, and kind of the meaning of Star Wars. And I think it's, I think, I want to believe that after the rise of Skywalker, we're going to really look back um, at The Last Jedi and really appreciate it as a good setup movie for The Rise of Skywalker. That's what I'm hoping and I think is going to happen. Yeah, I I mean, I totally agree. I think, you know, there's a lot of people out there that it's like, this movie is so focused on moving forward and being diverse and, you know, having a lot of diverse topics and diversity in it. And people see that as, sorry, I just bonked my microphone. People see that as disrespectful. It's like, they're not retconning the things that you know. They're adding more to make what you already know more diverse. I've never once felt disrespected in this movie, but a lot of people Mm do. And, um, you know, I have yet to have somebody explain to me a solid foundation. They just come out and say it's bad. And I'm not going to say that this is a perfect movie. I've never said that. This obviously has flaws. But I do think this is one of the better Star Wars movies, even given its flaws. Um, so let's kind of get into the to the talking points. You know, let, let's start with let's start with the bad first. All right, let's do it. So what what is your biggest gripe with this movie? Um, I think for me, it's a toss up between Rose and Canto Bite. Um, also, I mean, a third it could be the just the plot too. But I don't know. I think. I think somewhere between Rose and Canto Bite, and they kind of overlap. Those really kind of set this movie back because both are just unnecessary and kind of cringeworthy and just weird. I don't know. Yeah, I I noticed the the Roseisms a little bit more this time through, and and I will say she's she's the biggest part that doesn't fit. Um, her story, yeah. you know. I, I feel like if we would have had her in the first movie, it would have been better. You know, even just had her in the background, it would have been better. But we're just kind of just supposed to go along with her, you know, her whole background and her stuff that she's been through. And it just it just doesn't quite fit for me. Yeah. Um. And here's the thing about Canto Bite. Everyone always throws a fit with Canto Bite. Because they're like, oh, we spend so much of the movie there. Here's the deal. We don't spend that much time there. It just feels like we do because yeah. It, well, go ahead. I think that's. I think that speaks about how just kind of jarring it is because it does. It feels like it goes on forever, and it's it it it's not like we're there forever, but it just seems so weird. And I've and I think that they one of the reasons they did Canto Bite and the reason it looks and feels the way it does. And I've talked about this multiple times is that these movies are meant for kids. And I think that this scene in this area of the movie is very much kind of directed for kids. Um, just between all the characters and the bright colors and kind of these like weird like lessons and like, you know, basically of like, oh, this casino's all bad. I guess that's a good thing to be teaching kids that's good <laughs> but and then you know that greed is you know this horrible thing and then between like the little kids that end up helping them out it just seems very specifically for kids um and that's fine you know that's totally fine but star wars has always been for kids and if whether it's the ewoks or you know even like the Mos Eisley cantina in the first one is really an odd place with odd characters and stuff. But at the same time, it just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't seem as jarring as this was and as out of place. Um, just to the story and everything as a whole, it just seems like it was taken from an other cinematic universe and dropped into star Wars. It's just really weird.
Yeah, and I think I yeah I think it's true. Even their lines that they end up saying is like, gosh, these are lines that only a kid would think of that are cool. Like even when like Finn is fighting Phasma and stuff, is like only a kid would like really appreciate these lines. Let's go, Chrome Dome. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, goodness gracious. I think I think you're hitting the nail right on the head. Oh, you see, that's where I got to disagree. I think Moss Eisley just does such a better job than Canto. Because Moss Eisley feels like it's in Star Wars. And maybe that's just because it is in the first Star Wars movie ever. But whatever. But even so, it just feels like Star Wars. And Canto Bite feels like something completely different. I, to I, agree. Just, I, I agree with you. It feels it, different, but I think... I think the heart was in the right place because for me it clicked. It was like you have all these, and most likely you have all these people, all of the, un, you know, the scum of the underground, whatever, you know, and they're they're bad people and like they're trying to scrounge up whatever they can to make a living, whatever. And then you have Canto Bite where it's like this is all the big dogs that are doing the same freaking thing. And yeah, I think execution is key. I, I think their heart was in the right place to potentially convey that idea of it doesn't matter which side you're on. Everybody thinks what they're doing is right. Like everybody thinks they're the good guy, you know? Mm. And I think that's a lot of the, the theme of this movie is, you know, with, with whatever side you're on, war is war never changes. Everybody thinks that what they're doing is right. They're the good guy. And I don't know. I, I still will. I still stand by that. And that's kind of where the the line gets blurred as to good, good versus evil. It's like, yeah, I totally identify that Canto Bite is full of bad people. And I also identify that um, Ray is the good guy. Right. Yeah. But, you know, looking on the other side of the story, the characters and things like where Kylo Ren is coming from, it's like, no, like I we and that's another problem, too, is we still don't really know why Kylo Ren Kylo Ren is just kind of like, um, he's, he's burned, you know, he's, he's sad, whatever. He's kind of upset. We still haven't gotten to the root cause of why, which is kind of a problem for me personally, but I still believe that he believes whatever he's doing is the right thing. Yeah, I think so going on to what I think is really good about this movie, I think there's two characters that do a really good job. And I think the first one, of course, I think is Luke has a really good arc. Um, but also I, I like Kylo Ren's like, uh, kind of arc as well. Cause you just see him struggle and you see this interior conflict in him. But I also think that at the end of the movie, it kind of almost gets, he almost makes his choice. And of course, Luke says at the end of the movie, basically that, you know, People can always change. No one, you know, nothing's ever final, basically. I can't remember the exact quote that he says, but whatever. But it's like, you can see Kylo Ren at the beginning of this movie after, you know, killing his father and then getting beaten by Rey, you know, some unknown girl in the forest and having this horrible scar and then getting just completely, like, humiliated by Snoke. 
you just see like how troubled he is and just ripped apart. And then he, you know, he doesn't know almost what side he's on or what he wants. And, you know, he ends up not killing his mother and then he ends up killing Snoke and then deciding that he's also going to kill his mother. <laughs> like he's like just so conflicted and he almost can't even make up what he's doing. But, and, but at the end, I think he kind of like makes up his mind of like, okay, this is kind of what I want. I want to be the leader. I want to have the power and I want to do things the way I want. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And then I also think he does a really, really good job of, um, I think he's just manipulating Ray the entire time too. Just complete. I think that when they're connected together, he's the one that's completely in control and he's able to really throw her off track. Um, just, and I think he really, really does a good job manipulating her. And I don't think that's necessarily clear watching this movie for the first time or just surfacely. But I think when The Rise of Skywalker comes out, that's really going to come through. It's just how much he's been kind of manipulating her and kind of has been trying to work at getting her into the palm of his hand. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I mean, I still stand by, I think Kylo Ren knows exactly who she is and where she came from. Oh yeah, I think. I so mean, too. without yeah. without yeah. a doubt, he knows yeah. exactly who she is, you know, and um, whether she's a clone or you know one of many clones, whatever, dude. What if the Knights of Ren are all Ray clones? That would be pretty ridiculous. That would be <laughs> insane. But I don't know. I don't want to. I mean, you know, we'll we'll see. But no, I totally, I totally agree with you. You make a lot of good points there. I, I really like Kylo Ren's character um, yeah. in this because he does seem conflicted. And I just, I want to know what's going on in his head. That's the biggest problem I have with with his arc is I just, I don't know what his motive is. But you make a good point. He doesn't know what it is. He's just acting off of instinct and emotion. pure emotion. Yeah, yeah and emotion. just, which is drawing him closer and closer to the to the dark. And um yeah, I totally agree. He's very much like Anakin Skywalker. He wants that power. He thinks he's in control. He wants that control. He wants everything to go right. I I think that's a really good observation. Um, one thing I wanted to bring out, which I think this movie does a really, really good job of, is imagery. So anytime we see Luke on screen or we see Rey on screen, it does a really good job of conveying to us what they're wearing Ray ha- always has a dark garment on and a light garment. Um, and Luke always mm-hmm. has a dark garment on and a light garment or a grayish type garment, which means that to me, we know, I mean, Lucas has used imagery in the past. And I think that Ryan Johnson kind of picked up on that. Um, they're kind of bordering similar to how, you know, very much a Qui-Gon of sorts, you know, both of those Jedi are kind of border bordering from light and dark, like kind of have always been conflicted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's probably exactly right. And I think, I think, you know, Ray and Luke, they're definitely in two different spots. I think Luke is just completely depressed <laughs> and is just completely like, you know, where he's cut himself off from the force. And then Ray, she's still struggling, just trying to figure out what the force is. And she's being drawn by the dark side because she wants answers to these questions. But then she's also, you know, she knows what's right and what she has to do. So, yeah, it's interesting to see kind of they're both in this like middling state, but for different reasons. It's kind of cool. It is really cool. It's it's cool to see kind of the like the symmetry between those two characters because, you know, Luke has all these emotions that apparently he wasn't able to keep under control from the beginning, you know, with mm-hmm. a variety of things. He almost killed his father and then he also yep. almost killed Ben. Um yep. so there's a lot of things that that kind of go into that, but um another thing that I kind of wanted to mention about Luke's character I think this was a very fair and realistic depiction of what Luke Skywalker might look like having been through what he's been through yep I think that they nailed it spot on and you know I think it goes back to rewatching, you know the original trilogy uh, uh, trilogy and then kind of analyzing it 
but seeing where Luke has kind of struggled in the past and how you know emotional he he is, it makes sense that he would just be emotionally just completely hurt and almost disabled based on what happened. He's just let that completely bar him from being able to accomplish anything. Right. I mean, because he always had, he always knew what he was supposed to do and he always knew what the good thing was to do, but there's been an insecurity and a confidence issue from the beginning, from the movies at least, you know, I know there's a lot of lore and the expanded universe that doesn't matter anymore, but (laughs) you know, from the movies, we, we have to go off of what we've seen in the movies and we've seen a very insecure person through the entire story. And he's emotional. He's emotional, just like any other human is emotional. Uh, and remember, he's Anakin's son, and Anakin's, like, super emotional. And even Anakin, you know, he at least had some formal training to try to, like, um, guide that emotion and get it under control. And even then, you know, it didn't work. But Luke doesn't really have much of any of that. I mean, he has Obi-Wan and Yoda to kind of help him. But he still, he has that emotion. He's letting that emotion, um, you know, kind of take over. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how they do it because I don't think that necessarily is a horrible thing like what the Jedi would preach is that you had to take all emotion out of it. But I think that that's part of what makes you human and what drives you is to have some of that emotion. But if that emotion's left unchecked, then you see the bad consequences and the bad things that that can lead to. And I think that's what we're seeing in Luke now is he has that emotion, but he's kind of left it go unchecked and it's led him into this depression. Yeah. This dark place where he's like, well, if I can't do what I'm supposed to do as a Jedi, then I don't deserve to use the force, which is kind of the point he gets at. Um, but you know, which is kind of why he's like the for- oh, that that's when it makes sense to me. He's like, oh, the Force is everything. Like the the Force doesn't belong to the Jedi to use. Like the Force mm-hmm. is just around everything, which is not a new concept. We've always known that that the Force is around everything. It surrounds all living things. You know what I mean? We've we've always known that, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean. Uh, that's one of the first things I think we learned about the Force in the first movie is that it's something that connects everything in the universe together. Um, and that, yeah, it doesn't belong to one specific group or people to control, but it's something that is fundamental to the life and construction of that universe. Yeah, exactly. Like, it it inhabits life, death. I mean, and it's a cycle. It's a It's a cycle that requires balance. So yes. I'm just, I'm interested to see how they, you know, kind of wrap up that whole arc. Um, let's talk about the overall plot really fast. Cause I feel like this is another one that people get really upset about. Understandably so. And I guess why it never really, I, I've thought about this for the past few, you know, couple years, the reason the plot never, and I think we've talked about this before too. The reason that the plot never really hurt my feelings or never really made me question anything is because I don't watch Star Wars for the plot, really. I watch it for the characters. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's a stupid plot. I, I, I'll fully admit it that. Is. It's, it's stupid. It's pretty, it's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's dumb. Well, it's just, it's so paper thin and it's so drawn out. And then even like a good portion of the plot of the movie and the stuff that happens it ends up absolutely not even mattering in the end (laughs) like it completely doesn't matter so it's yeah i think it just makes it kind of difficult it's just so paper thin yeah i i I agree with that i mean and i think they almost didn't want to make a complex plot or an overly complex plot and just decided to go with a stupid plot to focus more on the characters that's my argument doesn't change the fact that it's a bad plot I agree. And I think I think that they did do a good job of focusing on the characters in a couple of instances, but I think they also probably tried to like add in more characters than they probably should have. Um because I think they completely struck out with the Rose Finn and the whole Canto Bite thing and whoever the codebreaker that whole part is just 
they you know swung in a miss swing in a miss everything else is fine yeah totally fine but yeah it was a sacrifice that mostly worked but i think also missed in a few areas yeah i think it missed majorly with a lot of the fan base i think that's the reason why this movie is so divisive is because so many people are focused on the political intrigue and the plot of star wars in general that this is just it's weightless you know um yeah it's weightless for a lot of people and that's why you know once we get towards that we're kind of getting towards the end of our discussion for for things that i want to mention um i'm going to give this a critical score something that i think is more subjectively rounded which is what we try and do anyways as well as like a personal score just for this movie um because you know it's just been a very conflicting situation for for quite some time now and uh you know there's a lot of listeners that have a lot of different opinions so that's why i want to give it two different scores but is there anything that you particularly want to bring out that you want to talk about um i'm trying to think there was one little thing that like just kind of pet peeved me um it seemed like they were very focused on the number of rebels um throughout the whole movie because it you know multiple times they're like oh there's 400 of us left on this ship and you know and it just keeps dwindling and dwindling and dwindling but at the same time and you're just at the same time they get down to crate and it's like where did all these people come from there's only 400 of them and then like half the fleet gets taken out on the way to crate and they're losing ships and people are dying and they lose everyone on like the main deck and it's like where are all these people coming from <laughs> it's just like one of those weird continuity things that just is like a pet peeve to me and probably doesn't really matter um and i guess at the end they only end up with like 20 people so i guess you know it's whatever but yeah it's so funny that they chose i think a lot they chose to focus on how small the rebels were you know during this whole movie and i think in nine it's not gonna matter at all because obviously from what we've seen just in the previews for nine they obviously have regrouped and they have a huge force again so it's just kind of funny to me to see to see this movie focus so much attention to just this dwindling rebel group and that's all that there is and but not not so much anymore. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. But yeah, just going back to Luke. I think Luke is by far the best part of this movie. Um and I know for a lot of people, especially people of a certain generation that grew up with Luke Skywalker and kind of idolizing Luke Skywalker, um they don't like seeing him, you know, die in this way or seeing him depressed. But I think that his character arc and also the lesson that it teaches is such a good lesson because at the end when he's sitting there talking with Yoda um, and, you know, he's kind of coming back around and realizing that he needs to change. um, He comes to this, Yoda kind of helps him realize that failure isn't necessarily a bad thing, that failure is a great tool. It's something that you need to instill in who you're training is this idea of failure because with failure comes learning and improving on, you know, what you know. And that's such a good lesson because, you know, it's something that's so important for everyone to know um, is that, yeah, people fail. And, but what's important is instead of getting depressed is about it and not doing anything, it's, you have to grow and, you know, try to learn from it. And Luke wasn't doing that. He'd taken this failure and he was just, you know, let it get to him to where he was in a state of inactivity. But what was important is that he needed to turn around and grow and do something and get better. And Yoda helped him come to that terms with that. And I thought that was such a good lesson that I probably didn't completely pick out until the second or third time of watching it. And I was like, man, that was so good. And then he was able to come back and just completely redeem himself. And I thought that the way that he went out was completely, it was completely fine. I don't think that it does any injustice to his character at all. I agree with you, man. I've, I've seen that. I mean, I've, I've been saying that from the beginning because here's the deal. Yoda, Yoda comes back and he's like, dude, learn, you know, like 
don't mm-hmm. do what I did. You know, Yoda did the mm-hmm. exact same thing that Luke did. Obi-Wan did the exact yep. same thing that Luke did. You have yep. all these generations of all these butthurt space wizards yep. that didn't learn their lesson. Then Luke's like, oh, you know, and Yoda's like, yeah, you really read those books, didn't you? No, they're because they're not page turners. All, all it is is information. It's what you do with it. You know, it's what it's what you learn from. It's like it, it's like you said, it's all about getting better and better and i don't know did you catch that those ancient jedi uh books were on the millennium falcon yeah it's funny that so yoda says you know uh nothing in those books um or he's like ray basically already possesses whatever is in those books and he probably knows that she took the books (laughs) yeah that was pretty that was a pretty good little trick that he played i i loved you know having puppet yoda back uh because i thought I thought it was really good. And I thought there was a few scenes in this movie that are absolutely awesome. Um, I have to say that Ray and uh, Kylo teaming up and taking out that whole Praetorian guard after he kills Snoke is so stinking cool. Like, uh, I love that scene. It's probably, like, in my top three, um, top three or top five Star Wars scenes. Um, It's right up there with the hallway scene in Rogue One. Where Darth Vader is just like, uh, yeah, uh, but uh, it's such a good scene. And then, yeah, I I loved having Yoda back too. And I, I just it makes me want more Force ghosts <laughs> and more Jedi that have died and have realized like, oh crap, we were doing things the wrong way. <laughs> um, let's see what we can learn now that we're dead. I don't know. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's almost like you almost see what. It's kind of the idea, like oh there's nothing I can do about it now. So how can I help these youngins, you know, learn from my mistakes, which is kind of beautiful. Actually. It's like, you know, you are, you're left with the memory of somebody and then you find yourself after somebody has gone wondering like, Oh, I wonder what they would do in this situation. You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of, yeah, I totally agree with you. And yeah, that, that Praetorian guard scene is like watching a ballet. I mean, it, it's, it's just so good. It's awesome. I mean, it's it's very it's obviously heavily choreographed. I mean, there's some if you really nitpick it and watch closely, yeah, of course you can find some things. It's like oh that guy just fell down for no reason, but um, you know it's still awesome to watch. Just the the action on screen and just the use of slow motion and you know it's it's awesome. It's it's definitely up there with one of my favorite scenes ever. Actually, so I totally yeah. agree with you. Um, it's really, really good. Obviously, there's a lots of things. There's lots of things in this movie we could pick out that people have problems with or that people really like. I think that it it was a shame to add. I think that the characters that were introduced in this movie would have been way more effective had they been introduced in um, the Force Awakens somehow. But obviously, you know that that didn't happen. So I feel like there's some wasted characters or some wasted performances um, from a critical eye. But again, like. I overlook those things because I was just excited to get back to what I wanted to watch. So, yeah, it it thought it did it did feel weird for these. There felt like there were a lot of characters that just came in really really briefly and they gave screen time to and like attention to, and then they were just gone. Um, for example, that like Tally chick in in the A wing. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like. they marketed her and like they put her in like the battlefront game and all this different stuff. And then it's just like dead. <laughs> like, Oh, huh, well, all right. And then like the code breaker guy too. Um, don't love him, but same thing. He's just like, all right, he's here. He betrays him, And now he's gone. Yeah. It's almost like he, you know, they've introduced characters as plot devices. They're expendable. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's not- like, you would think that, Whenever the, you know, Haldo goes through, you know, which is one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars history, whenever she light speeds through the fleet, which a lot of people have problems with, too. But why? I don't know. It's I I thought it was really good. Yeah, I thought it was cool, too. Like using the last little bit of fuel, fuel you have to do it. I mean, cool. I I think it works. It's fine for me. I thought it was cool. Um, Yeah. But, you know, whenever that happens, like. BB-8 saves the day by blasting. You could have kept Codebreaker along and have have him have a change of heart, you know, and 
that type of thing. But you know, they didn't do it that way. But they're just they just felt like a lot of wasted opportunities that personally didn't really matter to me. But I see why people have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still think there's more good in this movie than bad. Personally, I think so too. I um, think so too. But yeah, that's that's really all I have to say about it. Again, like I said, we've talked we've talked a lot. Of, we've referenced the Last Jedi probably in every single review we've done leading up to this point, and I'm excited we get to this point. So I think it's score time now, Caleb. Okay. All right, you go first. How about I mean I'm gonna give it a critical score and a personal score, and you can do the same, or you can just give it one score overall. It's up to you. I'll probably just give it one score. I mean, just I I think that this is probably like just a solid eight. Um, I think it's better. I think than any of the prequels, just in quality and story building and acting. I I think it is. Uh, but it also has some big flaws that can make it watching it just kind of uh, jarring at times. I wish. I think it's a really good movie, but at the same time. Yeah, I understand why people have problems with it. And it isn't always the funnest Star Wars to watch, if that makes sense. Because there are, it's just, there's parts of it that are just kind of jarring for whatever weird reason. And maybe it goes back to what I was saying earlier about Mandalorian. Is just part, some of it just doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie. I mean, you watch The Mandalorian and you're automatically in that universe and you don't ever doubt that you're not in the Star Wars universe. But there's parts of this where I'm like, man, this just doesn't... Sometimes it just doesn't exactly feel like a Star Wars universe. And it's a really weird feeling to get in a Star Wars movie. But there's also parts of this movie that are absolutely awesome. And I love what they do with Luke. And I love, for the most part, what they do with Kylo and with Rey. And I uh, like Poe Dameron a lot. I think Leia does a really good part in this movie as well. All of the battle sequences, I think, are really, really good. But there are some parts that are just really jarring. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Um, My personal score is also an 8 out of 10. Um, I think a critical score, if you're going to be, like, definitive and say, okay, this thing, this thing, this thing, and this thing make it bad... Like, okay, yeah, it's ruined for me because of these things. If you're going to be that way and, like, be super critical about it, I'd say it's a 7 out of 10. But for me personally, Mm -hmm. it's an 8 out of 10. I think it's good. There's lots of things that are in this movie that had no explanation before but now do. Like, whenever we have Super Leia, there's (laughs) there's lore in the books now to explain how that happened Um, in a new book. we We have confirmation that... She always had that ability to do that, but didn't really ever have to use it until now. So, yeah. you know, and we're learning more and more about force sensitive people and force users with more of the story that's going on in another couple of years that we're going to look back on this and be like, oh, that's how she did that. It's going to be fine. But in the moment, people were not happy about it. And I understand. Yeah, that's why critically, if you're going to be super critical and look at it with a critical eye and be definitive about it, it's like, OK, yeah, seven out of ten. Still good. I still think it's good and I still agree this is this is better than any of the prequels. I think this is smack dab in the middle between being better than all the prequels but just not quite as good enough as the originals. Yep. And I think that is where that this series of movies is always going to lie because you're never going to be able to top that original series in my opinion. And it's also going to be really difficult to make something that's worse than the prequels to a lot of people. I mean, and and it's true. Disney has no reason to make something worse than the pre- prequels. And they don't really have a reason to try to top the originals. I think that this is where exactly probably where it should be. And I think that's totally fine. I still think that's a perfectly fine music movie. I think we as consumers are wanting it to top the original series or we want it to have some sort of an inflection on the original series. But I think Disney is like, no, we're not trying to be better than the original series. We're trying to add a new piece of it and put it in its place. You know, like we're not trying to be better than the originals. We're trying to usher in a new generation of star Wars. And if you, it's kind of like, if you're not cool with that, 
that's fine. We don't need you. Like we have an army of people that are going to be with us no matter what. I'm definitely in that category. And I think you are too. So it's like, you know, the whole let the past die thing is a little harsh, but it kind of makes sense. It's like, yeah, let the past die because it had its time. It was great. It's, there's nothing better than that time, but now it's time for something new. So there's time for, it's time for some diversity. Yeah, and you can always go back and rewatch the original movies, um, and that's totally fine. Yeah, and if Disney did try to come out and make something that was better than the originals, they there's a very, very, very minute chance that they'd be able to do that. And the, probably what would end up happening is they would end up making movies that were hated even more than prequels. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that probably don't like this new series as much as the prequels. But I think to just, I mean, come on. This, these movies are a lot better than the prequels. The acting's a lot better. The you know, characters are better. It's not quite as jarring to watch in some areas. Um, the, plot I, may be I, more, the plot may be more boring at times, but the overall yeah. story is 100% more interesting than yeah. what's happening in the prequels. And I think even the plot is probably not quite as boring because a lot of people get on the prequels about it just being super, super slow moving and so much talking and standing and talking and sitting and talking and standing while someone else is sitting and talking. And, you know, it's a lot of talking. But these movies are really like fast paced. They're, you know, really shot well. They're done well. They have some really good, you know, they're quality, really high quality. And you can't always you can't always say that about the prequels. And I think that, and I think if Disney had come out and tried to top those original movies, they probably, they, it could have ended in a complete dumpster fire. And I don't think these movies are a dumpster fire at all. Yeah, I don't either. I think they're good. And I also think it speaks, we have to kind of say like, I really think that that these movies are designed to appeal to our age demographic and a little bit older and even younger. I really don't think that Disney's goal is not to keep the old fans happy. Their, their goal is to bring in a new, a new generation of star Wars fans while making it attempts, whether it's good or not a good attempt or whether very much thought is given to people who appreciate the older, um, you know, the original series, Whatever. I feel like the I feel like the Mandalorian is for the people who love the original series. I really do. I feel like that's the yeah. way to kind of bring bridge the gap between the 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 canon saga and um you know everything I'm sorry, the Skywalker saga and uh you know everything before that. I, I really think that they're trying yeah. to add in more stories that appeal to there's something for everybody. You know what I mean? I think they're really trying to do that, but I really don't think that they're trying to appease everybody. You know what I mean? With, with the Skywalker saga. And you know what that is? It's, it's a good business decision. And you see that reflected in how Disney's doing. I mean, it's, it has done incredible over the last, you know, five, 10 years. And it's because and it's because they're making good decisions like that and they're appealing to everybody. And what they need what they did realize they need to do is they need to set up Star Wars for something that's special to kids today and not just to people that grew up with it thirty or forty years ago. And that's can be tough for people that grew up with it thirty or forty for all those kids that are growing up right now they're going to care just as much about Star Wars as those people did back when they got the originals. So for Disney, it's a great business uh, decision, and you see that reflected in how well and how big Disney is. And ultimately, that's what it is. It's a business. It's a business. It's creating money. Disney's a great business. It's true. And, um, if, and if it makes you happy in the process, then that's a bonus. Yeah. So it's pretty uh it's it's interesting but i think that overall they're doing a pretty good job with this and i think they take a lot more flack than they necessarily deserve obviously nothing's uh, perfect but i do think they take a lot more flack than what they they deserve because i think they've done really good job despite being in a really high pressure situation and a lot of times in a lose-lose situation 
but I still think they do a really good job. I agree with you. And like, like, like we've said before, you can't please everybody. Um, even if they try to, I, and I, I do, you know, there's going to be people that say that they're not, I really do think that they're doing things to try and make everybody happy, you know, but you can't, you know, you can't do that. You there, you will never be able to do that. So you might as well find the good in what we have, which I think there's, I think there's way more good in this story than bad. There will always be way more good in these stories than bad. So absolutely. I agree. Caleb. Yeah. And. I can't wait for the next one. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait either because I hope it would be awesome if we could figure out a way to go see it together somehow, but I'm not sure that that's going to be able to. Yeah, what stinks is we're going to be together the week before it comes out. <laughs> it's just bad timing, I guess, but yeah, that that weekend's going to be fun, but yeah, it's kind of funny. We're going to be together the week before it comes out. Yeah, I agree with you, and I mean, we will be podcasting hopefully I would like to potentially podcast the morning after um, the movie comes out, just since it'll be so fresh. I am going to go see it a few times. I've already decided, but yeah. In the meantime, I'm seeing, though, I'm not seeing it until Saturday. Oh wow! So you have to wait a couple days. Well, yeah, because I'm a lamo, but <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to be kind of radio silent for two days until I see it on Saturday. But Sunday, hey, I'm all for talking about it. Okay. Well, me and Emma might do a first impressions type thing for a guy and his wife uh or something like that just to have something on the channel and then we'll have our our official review um me and you will do it whenever we're 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 able to dope (coughs) sorry for my voice today folks i've um i've been sick i've been on my deathbed for the past week so it's been kind of a a rough week but um i was able i was happy we're able to uh, get together and podcast Caleb hopefully the audio sounds a little bit better this time we're trying something a little bit different um so hopefully you can uh hopefully the audio is a little bit better in the meantime we did we did we were supposed to release this review next month but since the rise of Skywalker is coming out next month I figured it might be better to just get a head start now with you know the episode we are recording right now and that way we can kind of brainstorm for what we're going to be doing for the future Disney plus is out Definitely let us know what you think of the service. Give us some recommendations. We'll kind of brainstorm some ideas to see what we could potentially um, watch and review. Uh, you know, just kind of getting a future for our segment on the show for the wannabe critics. Also, I do have some news. I'd like to re- want. I'd like to uh, tell the listeners. Um, starting at uh, probably mid January, we are going to be rebranding the podcast. Um, it will no longer be called Geekly Biweekly. Um, we are going to be moving forward as a unit. This is, you know, story time. Me and Jace started this a few years ago with the idea like, hey, it'd be cool if we could have a show out every two weeks. But Jace is, you know, not quite as involved. He He's going to be involved more with the show, but it's not really me and Jace's show anymore. It's turned more into my show. And, you know, Jace has just been a busy guy, hasn't been able to give the attention that he would like to to it. So I feel like it's only right, right to rebrand it as something else more personal to myself. And uh, we will be collaborating with Jace in the future. But um, from now on or at the beginning of the year, we will be called just the wannabe critics. Um, This will also be coinciding with uh, the YouTube channel that I started called the wannabe critic. Um, We'll be launching a website with merch that you can buy. Um, if you want, we'll also be doing a, uh, a giveaway to kind of promote that. So if you're interested in that, if you'd like to, you know, get a shirt or get a hoodie or something like that, definitely reach out, especially if you've been with us since day one, we have kind of a founder's idea that we're working with. I'm working on designing it right now. And, uh, I'm just super excited to kind of be moving forward in a new direction and putting out content whenever I want to be putting it out. Um, so with that in mind, Definitely reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, check us out on YouTube or check me out on YouTube. Uh, you can always email us at geeklybyweekly1 at gmail.com. That email is going to stay the same just kind of as an homage to where we started. So lots of big news, lots of information in this episode, lots to unpack, lots of feelings and emotions, but I'm excited to be moving forward, uh, especially with Caleb being more active on the show with uh, his content that he's putting out. And me and Emma have a lot of content coming out as well. So thank you for your continued support. And Caleb, 
thank you for joining me again to do this. This has been one of my favorite parts of this show that I've, you know, been doing in the past six, seven months or so. It's been a, it's been a real treat to keep this going and I can't wait to keep it going. Yeah, it's been awesome. I can't believe that we've already gone through eight movies and however many months that is, it's gone by so fast, but it has been so much fun. It's been incredible and I can't wait for everything we're going to do in the future too. It's going to, it's been really, really cool. It totally has, man. So uh, for your chief of New York fans out there, where can they find you again? So uh, I'm on Instagram at chief in NY um, on Twitter at chief in NY 18. Uh, my website is www.chiefnny.com. Um, so yeah, definitely check out my blog there. Uh, hopefully things will get better for the chiefs. It's uh, been a, it's been a rough week, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, things, uh, yeah, things should hopefully get better, but please check me out. I've been having fun writing and, uh, appreciate everyone that's willing to, uh, you know, just take a minute out of their day to read or listen to the content it means a lot to me because. I'm just some kid in New York who uh, likes a football team. And uh, it's pretty incredible when uh, people are willing to take out and sacrifice part of their day to uh, listen to me rant um, incoherently sometimes about something I like. It's pretty cool. It's a beautiful thing to be a geek, for sure. Caleb, thank you so much for joining me, and we will see you next time. Uh, Thanks, man. We'll see you.